grab your bowls and spoons, kiddos. It is now time for the Peter Pluter and Sura Podcast with your hosts, Corey and What is going on, everybody? This is the Peanut Butter and Syrup Show. It's the premiere episode. We're just a couple of cousins talking shit about things you don't care about. My name is Corey. The other guy drinking the water like it's a cum dumpster. Is a- oh, that'd be, that'd be Darut. Darut is a thirsty cum dumpster at the moment, by the way. And the guy with the mute button who should be pressing it very often is our man Brian on the main controls. Hey. Uh, who's off? <laughs> hey. It's NPR, Brian. And by the way, that was his deep voice. <laughs> he's, he's, I keep clapping under the table. Uh, so Brian is also the controller of our uh, theme today. What do you want to talk about, Brian? What would you like to hear us bitch about? So we'll start us off because you guys were talking about life in general, and y'all are much old, older than I am at least, and talk about the concept of the... that are your age, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. We're talking about the uh, concept of a midlife crisis, since y'all are, y'all are getting up there in the years. Crisis, smashes. I mean, both y'all are old enough to be grandfathers. In Villarica, I am actually old enough to be a great-grandfather. I, it's an interest. Yeah, I will say that's, it actually. I mean, it's it's true. I'm old enough to be. A, I mean, easily in Villarica, I am anywhere in the South. Let's be for real. Other in Florida. Well, that's I mean, a crazy thing. I'm I'd be a great great grandfather in Florida. <laughs> I keep seeing friends from high school social media talking about their grandkids. And I'm like, I'm not old enough to have a kid. I'm I'm, I'm 45, by the way, but really, I feel like I'm 25, except for when it hurts in the morning. You look a solid 70. <laughs> That's just a wrinkly part of my life. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> above the waist. <laughs> Below the waist. That's a solid 90. <laughs> it's like, does, does, does that actually stand up anymore? Um, <laughs> it does with little blue pills. So, yeah. And I mean, I'll be 48 in uh, a month and a half. And it's. You know, it's funny, is it, and that's why I laugh when I hear midlife crisis. I was like, you know, my grandmother died at 96. So if I live, if I'm fortunate or unfortunate enough to be her age when I pass, technically I am dead in the middle. And what's crazy is, is when you really look at the aspect of midlife, our age is not, in the grand scheme, middle of our life. Your life in my opinion, and based on my experiences, life doesn't start till you're like 21, 22 years old because everything below that is programming. It's schooling. It's it's dealing with parents. It's dealing with a lot of stuff. When you get out on your own at 21, 22, 23, that's kind of where the mark starts. So where is midlife? If you look at it from that aspect, I don't know that it's like... The well, first couple of years of your life, you don't know what's going on. How does that count? Well, if you uh, look at the data that I didn't look up before, most people died around our age in the olden days. Oh, no. Yeah. No, they, didn't, mean, live, I, they, I, they didn't live this long. I mean, I don't have data to back it up, but I'm no, pretty sure that I No, I have read plenty of articles that the average age of death at a certain period of time was 36 years old. Well, not the 50s or something. No, it was... It was <laughs> 
17. <laughs> yes, okay, so let's clarify. The two numbers before 50s were the relevant numbers. It was not 1950s. It's It was more in probably, you know, 15, 16, 1750s that... But yeah, I mean, you think about the stuff that, that we take for granted that prolongs and I, that puts it in a negative <laughs> connotation there, but prolongs life. I mean, the simple act of brushing your teeth, things like that. I mean, fighting off everyday basic infections and things like that, we just take for granted. It used to kill people, poison ivy. Like like people who, like my business partner with the other stuff, he's highly allergic to poison ivy. And if he gets it, it's systemic. If you don't get medication, systemic poison ivy will kill you. Well, that's that's crazy. And we take it like I, I got poison ivy for the first time in my life not long ago. I went to the doctor. They gave me cream. I put it on. It was gone in two days. I was just talking to somebody the other day about that. How um, I've never been allergic to bees or poison ivy. But it's coming. But not my, you know, both my brothers are the same way. It's coming. It, 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 Even it, allergies never bother Your me immune system evolves as you evolve. Yeah. I'd never had it before, but I was also shoulder deep in a mud puddle that was apparently floating in Eurusha oil. And hey, hey, I got it the out. next day, and it, it looked like I was like a test subject for herpes or something at a clinic. <laughs> like It was everywhere, but the face, I mean, it, my arms. Did you assume my STD? So, yeah, I was actually, I was a little early for the Halloween costume. I was going to go as herpes, but I was doing it in April and it was... The uh, gift that keeps on giving? Yes. It was authentic too. It itched like hell. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, uh, middle life crisis. I was talking about this. Um, my past year has been very interesting and I don't look at it as a crisis. One, I'm not married, don't have kids. I'm not banging the babysitter, not trying to buy a Porsche, but I dropped 75 pounds I've started taking other classes. Well, not, not bagged up like a sack of grocery, 75 pounds, like body well, no, I, I, 75 I mean, I got pounds. rid of the dead body out of my trunk. You were making it sound like I was <laughs> I was carrying this bag and then the bottom ripped open and 75 <laughs> pounds just went pouring out. <laughs> it was so bad, in fact, that uh, they, they called uh, OSHA and, <laughs> and Hazmat to come clean up the 75 pounds. But I had that moment, you know, it was like, okay, I'm turning 45. I want to live another 45 years. I should at least, I should be able to live to 90 unless I get in my dump truck next week or somebody kills me after this bad podcast. But seriously though, I mean, like I should have another 45 years. Imagine what I've done this time, what I could still do. And well, it's uh, it's well, a fundamental thing of life, managing expectation. It really is all it boils down to is managing. Your expectation is, is I'm just starting to figure out who I am. And as we were talking earlier, you're you're just getting comfortable with who you are. You're getting secure with who you are. You've always had a lot of projectable security as far as your personality goes, but you everyone has that at home, alone, insecurity where you're like, okay, I said and did some stuff today. Like, how did that impact my relationship with someone? And that's what the thing that oh, like, they usually don't call me back, right? Exactly. <laughs> and I'm and that's and that's the thing though. That's where. Getting to this point in life, you're just now starting to understand how life really should work, who you are, and what fun truly is. Not the the on TV what they tell you what fun is supposed to be, what you really enjoy out of life. You mean so, like in that Sprite commercial where everybody's out, you know. Uh, all I see is that dude with the uh, 
God, what's the they eight, all water skiing? The eighties hip hop or nineties with the kid and play. He's got the kid and play haircut <laughs> and he's screaming fresh out of Sprite for like a solid forty seconds, like upside down in the I'm like, why do you need to be upside down when you're looking in your fridge for Sprite? Like, why are you on top? Like, why aren't you just open the door and go see fresh out of Sprite? Now that's part of us uh, getting old we're showing our age, like telling these kids to get off our Sprite lawn. But well, anyway. no, I was saying get off the top of the refrigerator. I'm, I'm down with Sprite. I had a Sprite last night. Well, um, I, well, I was saying, like, I remember uh, last year, the comedian Ralphie May, who was, I think he's like 400 pounds, 45, and killed over. And I'm like, he's my age. And I'm like, that's nuts. And he was an extremely talented dude. But, I mean, he was. And that's the thing. And, and he wasn't dumb. He was negligent. Yeah. And, that, and that's all it really boiled down to. He was negligent with his health and that's and that's like me i mean like we talked about i was riding bike earlier today and we've been trying to get back into working out and and we have completely different body types you and i do i've been very fortunate that i can eat and do whatever i want and my weight gain hell for a certain number of years was not a thing like i was built like a broom handle but now that i'm you know again about to turn 48 yeah he just wears one Right. It's I carry one in here just and I'm pointing to my butt for the crowd that the camera's broke today. Um because you never know when you need a shitty broom handle to beat someone. I guess um, I shouldn't clap on mic. People can't yes, tell what I'm doing. They're exactly. Like, what is he doing? He's just spanking it on the microphone. So for the people that don't know, Corey has Tourette's and it manifests itself as clapping noises. He doesn't cuss. It's not the fun Tourette's. It's this awkward, like if we go out somewhere and someone's performing, he just starts clapping in the middle of the performance. It's like a circus seal. <laughs> it makes zero sense at all. Of all the cool Tourette's stuff to get, that's the worst. Like the only thing worse, which would be personally satisfying, is if you masturbated in public and you could blow it off his, his hey, Tourette's. Hey, only one time I got arrested. I, I, I went to like, jail. Like that would be like if you were like, what, sir? But I want to bet. Sir, sir, why, <laughs> sir why, are you, why are you whacking it in front of the crowd? It's Tourette's. See, I now, can't help it. The it's problem Tourette's. though at 45, that you have to use a little boy pill to make that happen. So. I am 47 and <clears throat> I can probably shit open it still. I don't oh, know. Oh, I didn't say Viagra. I would just, you know. Spray paint and Advil and stuff from the hangover. Oh. <laughs> no. Which one? Um, Little. Blue, what's the one different. that's blue that's a painkiller? Oh. I'm terrible with medication. I refuse to use it. Like, I'll just suffer. Well, I'll just, well, I'll just if suffer. If you can't snort it off a stripper's ass, you don't need it in your body. What's the one they're always, I mean, you would know, they're always promoting for arthritis, and I'm sure you've Bear. got it. No. No, not <laughs> bear. Bear. Puppy. Um. <laughs> He's, he's offering you up the Native American <laughs> options down there. Bear, bear urine, hair, uh, testicles. Like, what did y'all do back in the day for pain? Yeah, I think it is a leave. It's blue. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah. Anyway. But, but anyway, I don't even know what we were supposed to be talking about. Uh, this, this is the this is the bad part. Brian's supposed to reel us in, and he's just like, no, bear. <laughs> We got ADD. So we're talking about midlife crisis. Yeah, and, and it's getting old and how well, things hurt. Well, I think it's. I think the the name in itself is. I don't want to say condescending, but misleading. I think it. I think. I think it's a midlife challenge. It's. I think it's an awakening. It. Well, then you're all woke, and that sounds. No, all I'm not woke. Woke is. <laughs> That's that Coke commercial bullshit for people who think they know something about something they know nothing about. That That is the basic concept of woke is I have a fundamental understanding of something, but it's completely wrong. 
<laughs> because I was told by MTV that I am now. That's a, that's a catchphrase for selling ad time on a TV. That's got nothing to do with See, reality. See, now you're sounding like an old man. Get off my MTV lawn. No, Play not. music again. Yes. <laughs> but I will still refuse to watch it. Um, thank, you, thank God for YouTube, man. You can watch all the cool old videos from the 80s on YouTube. Um, but I think... I think it is a bit of an awakening like you're having with, with your situation. You, you, as you connected with Ralphie May, because I'm, I'm assuming you were a fan or you wouldn't have known about it. Um, I was a fan. I, he wasn't one of my favorite comics, no, but no, I, no. I, I appreciated his style and his ability. I mean, and he was a great improv comedian. He, I heard he did a one hour bit because he heard one of his friends bought a sword and he was going out to do a one hour show. He didn't even do a show. He did one hour on a two minute conversation. He had improv about one of his buddies buying a sword. And I can tell you from my own experience, that's, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, granted he had a following and it's easy to ramble when you have a following like that. But anyway, so you, you, you awakened to the idea that, Health is a real thing. Well, it's also you don't want to be a fat comedian. You want to get skinny beforehand because all fat comedians die at some point. Bob, Bobcat? Yeah. Bobcat's rocking. He's, he lost weight. Yeah. Yeah. But he ain't dead. What's up? Start fat. Die skinny. Yeah, or die with an overdose or well, speedball. That's the end thing. <laughs> you thought, made it past. I thought it was hanging yourself with a belt, but I wasn't. I mean. Well, you have to be into karate, too. Right, isn't that the Carradine? Well, I mean, yeah. So he was one of many. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're. I mean, have you whacked it to David Carradine? Is that how you knew about it? I mean, do we need to worry about you? Should we take your belts away from you? That's really the. Uh, my pants would fall down, so see, I'll keep my belts. See, David Carradine stole kung fu from Bruce Lee because it ever. Never mind. <laughs> that's no, the, that's cool. for the kung fu episode. Yes. Uh, don't get me on Bruce Lee, boy. That's my man right there. Um, but it is, it, and that's why I, I think it's more of an awakening. Like for me, it's not an awakening. Like I've, I think you evolve as a person, and if you don't evolve and try to learn as much as you can, like you and I were very similar minded. If we get interested in something, we'll sit down and teach ourselves how to do that thing. Instead of going to someone and have them teach us, unless that's our only option is to go teach us, but um, but we go and learn to evolve our abilities and evolve our thinking and step outside our, and I hate this phrase, comfort zone. Well, even if, if you try it and fail it, you still progress yourself. Right. And I hate using the term fail because, I mean, I try many things and I always look at it. Like, it's not failing. You're you, learning. Okay. You've, this, this is one way that didn't work. I may not even continue doing that, but the one thing I learned from that is I learned something about myself. And maybe I've found this. Oh, this helps continue this, and you keep moving forward. And that's the one that well, I see a lot of people have problems with. But I think that's that's why it is kind of an awakening. Is you're 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 waking up to the real the realization from years of going to the doctor, being on medication, that the path you were on is not a long term path. Nope, not at all. I'm unhealthy. And then then. You started, you were like, all right, and I'm assuming we haven't really had this conversation that you went and investigated what are my options to drop weight that are realistic, not a shake, not a meal plan, not stuff that's not sustainable. What is a lifestyle change that I, I can make? I the story. What happened? Uh, me and Brian were both on a movie set helping our friend Joseph. 
And uh, the guy Bruce on there, we got talking about doing keto, uh, the ketogenic diet. That's what he said. He's lost, what, 60 pounds at the time? At that time, on. yeah. And uh, he gave me kind of low down, and I was like, all right, let me try this. And so we, we went back, what, three weeks later? So that, I mean, we was on Sunday. I started on Monday. And then three weeks later, I lost maybe like 20 pounds, 15 pounds, something like that. And I was like, I actually noticed a difference. But I had someone, I saw someone else's results that was encouraging. The problem is it's like a commercial is not results and it's not encouraging. But seeing someone else do something that worked anyway, he ate was healthy food. But in the difference too is, is, is in like with Beth, she's done Weight Watchers. They're not. Beth's roots wife, if you're wondering. Yes, she's the brains of the outfit. That's why we're in so much trouble. Um, the, the ship's um, going down, <laughs> and I'm not going with it. That's not a thing anymore. I'm not the captain. You're the captain. <laughs> I've got a little captain in me. Um, but that's another. She story started doing it, but it's the same about. concept as keto. It's it's an awareness of what you're eating, and it's a lifestyle change. It's not a gimmick. Most things that are marketed to people to lose weight are completely gimmick-driven, oh and they are set up to make you a slave to that product. Slim well, Fast. Well, you, you lose weight on Slim Fast, so what you're going you're gonna to drink Slim Fast every day for the rest of your life as a meal supplement? That's not sustainable. Well, I was showing my dad. He was talking about it. When he was talking about the stone keto, he had that Slim Fast. I said, look at all the sugar that's in this diet drink. Huh. How do you lose weight with all the sugar? sugar? And sugar studies have been showing that it's actually as addictive as alcohol. So it's like, and that's why people go, well, I'm still hungry. It's like, yeah, because you just, your addiction wants you to keep drinking more of it. And so you take in more calories, more sugar. Right. Says and the, that's says the guys it, who have syrup in their name of their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's be clear. Let's be clear, because that's a little sacred. I mean, there's some shit you can joke about, but you can't be stepping on the Cairo. And, I mean, I am brand specific when it comes to certain things, and that's Cairo um, white syrup, which is actually clear. <laughs> but um, is not sugar. But uh, you know, and something we were touching it's on super earlier. Super sweet, but it's not sugar. We were touching on earlier, which to my getting older and, and music. And uh, talking about age, because you say you have a daughter who's 19, which is, what is, she's not, she's, is that a second cousin? What is she to me? To you, that would be your second cousin, and I will kill you. No, that's <laughs> not what I'm getting at. No, what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, I don't, she's not niece or nephew kind of thing. Um, no, she's fake family. <laughs> like, cousins are barely family. I mean, let's, let's just get real about it. Well, cousins are barely What I was getting family. at, she's at age, is like, I meet a lot of women at her age, and it's like, but you also see that with that song, Do I Still Again? Hey, 19, you're like, I totally relate to that song at this point. Because you're like, I get it. You, I, There's so many things you don't have in common, or you make comments about things. I mean, we've made comments. I'll make comments about some comedians and stuff. You're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, just because of the age difference. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, um, I made the joke when Beth was 36, which is 12 years ago. Um, you know, supposed to tell a woman's age. Okay, it was 14 years ago. Um, <laughs> then we were making a joke over my uh, ex-sister's graduation. That's a story for a different time. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that hanging. Is, she, is that my niece or nephew in relation? Nothing. She's barely related to me. We had the same dad. And anyway, and we're leaving the graduation, and I was they, they were 
we were talking about Beth being 36 and I was giving her a hard time. We've always given each other a hard time about being old, even though we hooked up together when we were 20. Um, and I said something about she's old. I was going to have to trade her in for two 18s. And my dad's like, oh, what are you going to talk about with two 18-year-olds? I was like, who's going to talk? And that's really, I mean, but that puts it in context. Short of that fantasy, which I mean, I don't even, I can look at a 19-year-old girl and think you're attractive, but I'm not attracted to them because I I understand what the packaging is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like no. you see it and you're like, like it's kind of like seeing a Coke on a shelf now because I'm assuming you don't drink Coke anymore. Mm-mm. You see a Coke on a shelf and there's still that if there's old, Coke on the shelf, there's a straw in it. Not it. a powdered form. I'm talking <laughs> old school, not old school Coca-Cola. <laughs> New school Coca-Cola without the Classic? Coke. Ah, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, which is ironic because new formula was when they went to corn syrup. So, um, just saying. Spring but it but all you around. see, you see the, the can of Coke because I do it. I see a can of Coke and I remember the days that I drink a lot of Coca Cola and I'm thinking, damn, that, that can, it's just so iconic and I connect with it. I want a Coke. And then I no more had that thought than. I realize how bad it makes me feel when I drink it and all that. That's exactly what dating a 19-year-old would be like <laughs> in our age. Like, you know, you'd be like, okay, well, we had sex, but I really don't want to have to sit through dinner conversation with you because I'm going to feel old as shit while you're talking about bands that are really not bands and stuff I don't care about. Well, I've always said that anybody can have sex. Not everybody can have a conversation. You know, that's always the way I live. You know, if you got nothing to talk about, then. Well, that's different than the advice I got from my dad when I was 12. He goes, there's two types of people in the world, people who masturbate and liars. I was like, all right, then I've been doing something right for four years. <laughs> I was like, dad, you're a little behind the curve here, but uh, I appreciate the advice. It's. Uh, Can we shave your palms? No. Okay. They're still not, you know, I'm fairly disappointed that I have yet to lose eyesight or grow hair on my palms. I thought for years I was doing it wrong. I was like, that sock's pretty well glued together and I can still see what's going on. Like, what is, what is, what is it I'm doing wrong? But it is. That's why I, that's why I think, I think being in your forties, you get an unfair shake if you try to expand on who you are. Because everyone's default, and I think it's an insecurity thing. I think it's a peer thing. Our, oh, yes. Yeah, our peers that are married into this soccer life and Sunday afternoon football and all this American What's the cliche? Style. Misery loves company. Right. The, and, and again, it's something we've talked about, the American dream. A lot of people's dream is they grow up with that Sunday afternoon football and everything is just this planned out thing and here we are you know like we i designed my buddy jason i designed and built a car from the ground up and people are like why do you do that i was like because i learned a lot doing it and i'm a car enthusiast and one of my earliest desires was design and build a car as a kid i want to expand on who i am as a person why does that make me bad you're you're trying to vilify me by using a concept of midlife crisis when really you should be looking in on yourself and think, 
what have I done? What have I, I don't care about making a contribution. That's a lot of people, well, I just, I want to make a contribution before I die. What, what does that really mean? Nobody truly makes a contribution unless you're George Soros. And that you doesn't have go all as a special con, you know. Right. But, but it's, it's fulfillment. Like, but is that what you think most people think the American dream is, is once you achieve Sunday football mm-hmm. and that's going to church line. every day that that's it, that oh, that's the American that's the dream. And you might as well no, 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 but I'm just saying. People <laughs> hit that or achieve that in their late 30s or 40s. So at that point, if you've reached your American dream, Sunday football for the rest of your life, there, what else is there? Right. Like why, that's, you know. that's the point. That's what that's what I'm getting at is the idea, which is actually, I mean, we're kind of segueing into another topic here, but I don't I don't want to I don't want to lose the focus of midlife crisis because I think we've just kind of really touched on the skin of that. But a lot of it is and it maybe is the way this to explain it is, is is the American dream creates the concept of midlife crisis is go to high school, go to college get married, you know, back in the day, get married, have two kids, have a house, put the kids through college, retire, die. That's the progression of life. And, and I'm then like, your kids repeat that. Right. Rents repeat. And that's just generation after generation of worker bees that have fooled themselves by watching Sunday football to feel like they have fulfilled some sort of obligation to the world to fit this category. I'm like, why? Like, why? I mean, and I, and I can't, I mean, I did, and I did understand it. And, and, uh, you know, and I did join the army when I was 17 and some of it was frustration. I was a very, for years, like you were talking about, you know, you were, you, you, you were taking like a lot of superficial things and, and it was off putting to you. To me, I was very angry. And I was angry about certain things that had worked out when I was a kid and things like that. And I was like, I just want to get the hell away from this and detach and then just go. You know, I couldn't afford to go out on my own. I was poor. We were poor. Joining the Army was my avenue. So, you know, well, I did green welfare for a reason. Oh, it's Walmart and camo. That's really, that's <laughs> like if you walk through a Walmart and you see how dumb those shelving you know stockers are and cashiers it is the same thing but with guns and camo like even the helicopter (laughs) pilots i'm like really you guys aren't that smart like i i'm smarter than you are but it's and that's why i had to get out and it's that's the funny part of it is i thought i was joining this like super hardcore elite workforce when i was joining walmart but but like i said i mean it's it's that whole thing of I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to have kids because of the way I grew up. I I didn't think I would ever meet anybody who understood like that you have to work at a relationship, no matter what that relationship is. And and so I didn't want to get married. I've seen plenty of failed marriages, didn't want to be involved, didn't want to bring a kid up in that environment because that's the environment I grew up Unless in. Unless you said easy, you hand her your money on the table. She leaves when you're done. She picks it up with her boobs. And then you go, you go to McDonald's. <laughs> right. As I, as I, right. You put the money in your mouth. She yeah. picks it up with her boobs. You pay them to leave when you're done. And then, and then when her set's over, she's no longer on stage. She's probably going to go to Waffle House with Relationships you. Relationships are easy. Right. 
But but that when is like evolved. said. I think that's where the midlife <laughs> the concept of midlife crisis. The name is actually driven by people I feel like are trapped. They're trapped in this bubble and they can't get out of the bubble and they see anyone that escapes the bubble as well you're escaping the bubble because you're you're freaking out. Now you can point your finger as as, as Brian brought up earlier off, you know, off the recording here that the old cliche and I mean, when we used to make fun of it, I did when I was a kid. You make fun of anything that's older than you. That is human nature. That's the way it works. Um, is when you used to make fun of the guys that buy Corvettes, get a gold chain and all that. And that was the poster child of midlife crisis. I don't think that guy was expanding on who he was. He oh. was trying to get laid. That's all. That, that was his end game. Like, if I get a car and I show a little bit of chest hair which I don't know, but you got some. I did. I got three. Um, I, I think I took after some of the Native American people in our family. I tan extremely well, and I have very little body hair except for the ears. Um, you know, the funny thing in that, though, if most of these guys, their family just said, take one weekend. Go, hall pass. Go, the movie Hall, hall pass, pass. Just go get it out of your system, come back. It would probably be fine, and you could... Be numb to I don't your think you situation. can go back. Well, the, but that's what the Amish do when they have the rum springer. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. Is but you that's go a teenager. Go buck wild. But maybe for them, their American dream is hit in their twenties. They have their little but wild again, moment. You in the the teens. Teens. Yeah, yeah but you don't know who you are at 19, yeah. 18 years old. You mm-hmm. have no. You know who you are in the environment you grew up. That's not who you are. That's you in a controlled environment. I mean, you it's like Sydney place in the rest. I mean, of the even world. Sydney now. I've tried to teach Sydney to be extremely headstrong and independent. And Sydney, and she'll openly admit it. She goes, "Sydney's his daughter." For those who are right. alone. yes. <laughs> As Corey leans into the microphone to explain the serious stuff of the show, when you're just tuning in, it's just needless to explain. I want you to have to figure out who these people are. That's it's called a mystery. It's um, closed caption for the hearing impaired. Yes. I'm doing I'm doing <laughs> hand signals video. if you don't know, and it is not <laughs> ADA approved, I can tell you. And when I say ADA, I'm not talking dodgeball. He's only um, using one finger for every word. I don't get it. I'm sorry, sir, but that, that only means F you. There's it doesn't translate to anything else. So what she was saying, you know, when she's around us, she and she did a very good job of articulating this the other day. She she interviewed for a job. And I was kind of coaching her for the interview. I was like, these are questions you need to ask. Well, she initially freaked out because anytime dad gets involved, well, it's going to ruin everything because I'm a, a kind of a prick. Because old people old people ruin everything. We ruin everything. I mean, Geritol's a... Get off my lawn! Yes, exactly. <laughs> you don't even have a lawn. He lives in a high-rise. <laughs> Get off my air! <laughs> he does have a rooftop pool, doesn't he? No, it's a good uh, Only when it rains. Oh, sorry. <laughs> drainage, drainage issues. But anyway, she said that when she's around us, she is by default our kid. She's not Sydney. So, because I'd offered to go to this interview with her because of the dynamic of the interview, she was actually being interviewed and interviewing a family to take care of their kids for the summer, which is a very weird thing. It's not like interviewing for a job. It's 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 very deep. And I and I gave her some hard hitting questions to ask this family. And I met them when we were on vacation, and I was talking to him. He's like, dude. I was so impressed. He's like, I had a 19, he's, he's 40. He's like, I had a 19 year old kid asking me questions. I couldn't come up with answers for. 
He's like, you don't know how. He's like, I was a little bit intimidated by a night. He's like, then got in my head that I've got a 19 year old that's intimidating me. So, well, she's asking science questions and he wasn't a scientist. Well, I mean, it's right. <laughs> e equals MC squared the, has nothing to do with McDonald's. <laughs> regardless, it's not it's not an upsize thing. Like I ordered a Big Mac, E equals MC squared. Um, but it's but like I said, I mean it comes back to that. And that's why I don't think like Rumspringer, the the concept of it, from my understanding, is is that's to go outside the community that you've grown up with to see if you want to go back or not. And if you want to go out and be, I'm assuming by their standards, a heathen and live this, you know, crazy life that we all live. And I mean, in in saying that, I respect a lot of the way they live. I mean, it takes true faith to live that life and a lot of hard work and sacrifice when you know two blocks away is a 7-Eleven, you know, or a generator. Um, I mean, it's just, it's that way. So that's why I always find that is I am fascinated by Rumspringer. I don't feel like it's fair because the difference is, is the older you get, the more you reflect on the things you've done. And I used to think, and this is everyone that I talk to that's our age has the same universal belief. When we were in our twenties, we thought we knew everything. We had a lot of confidence. We were very inspired. We were driven, not to say we're not now, but we felt very empowered and very smart. I feel, you'll say you can insult it all you want. I actually feel, I won't say dumber. I feel less intelligent now because. No, that's where I was exactly where I'm going. I feel like there's this world that I knew is actually so much bigger than. And that's exactly like that. You nailed exactly the direction I was going. So I'm holding a bottle cap. Oh my from God, a, I just set you up for the perfect insult to me. No, and no, you no, didn't no, take no, it? No, 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 because this is I, the worst I, tennis I, match I, ever. I, but man, you leave the door open plenty. This is not like it's a one time deal, you know, at 3 a.m. On, on the shopping channel. It's uh, This is a uh, Corey's open door policy just one more time. Oh my God, I, I had nothing else to so say. So I'm holding a bottle cap. And when you're in your 20s, well, your concept of the world would fit in this bottle cap. We don't have videos, so they can't right. see it. So, and that's why I keep saying <laughs> bottle cap. But when the reality of it is, when you get into your 40s, you realize the contents of the world won't, is so much more. So he was holding it's a, a it's bottle a, if you were wondering outside. Well, I really, I mean, I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it for you because, I mean, you've eaten a lot of crayons over the years, and I'm not sure how that's impacted hey. your ability to function. But the, 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 the concept peach is taste like peach. it's relative. Like, if you're trapped on an island and you have 20 gallons of fresh water, that's a lot of water. Because that's all that you have is 20 gallons of fresh water. the train is going 50 miles an hour towards Illinois. The hooker is still not going to leave until you pay her. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, but what you realize is, is you don't live on a deserted island with 20 gallons of water. You live on this ginormous world. And the available knowledge or water is infinite. And what I find ironic is, is we hold a tool in our hand that has the ability to tell you anything with a very certain amount of accuracy. (laughs) One, how to spell a word. Um, Because if you see people post online, they're there and there. 
Um, yeah, but that, that's a whole. But that's. But that, I think that's there's something to do with technology because I think most people are still this when it comes to grammar Nazis. Not to go off topic, but I don't think people are any smarter or dumber when it comes to spelling. It's just now it's noticeable because we type. We do typing conversations more than we do verbal okay, conversations. Okay, but, but let's go back to the, the concept of the but, older you get, the dumber you feel because yeah. it's relative. Right. You you understand what you know, and I know you're, as, you're like I am. You know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff because you're naturally inquisitive and you're self-taught. I'm the same way, but I also realize how much stuff's still out there that I have no oh idea about. And what's funny is... is I reflect on those high school classes where my English teacher was writing me because she knew I wasn't dumb. I was lazy. And 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 she expected me to do certain things a certain way because she knew I had the potential to do it. So I think that's why it becomes I think it's a again, that's why I think the 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 concept of awakening is you're awakening to the idea of how much is really out there, how much possibilities there really are for you if, you, if you're not a worker bee. Now, some people are born to work in a cubicle. That's, that's the pinnacle of their ability right there. The pinnacle of their ability is to get up at 5, get in a car, get at 7.30 in the morning, Drive to an office to be there by nine. I mean, rush working man. Oh, I, I, it is that is a theme song. I for, work at, I've been working in that same cubicle. Right, right, right. But the difference my, is, is, is your me, potential. Your potential, and I know it, is so far beyond that. Well, I would coworker. But there are certain age. people, you know, yeah. that like I've always said is if you're going to be a ditch digger, be the best ditch digger you can be. There are certain people who are only going to be the best ditch digger they can be. They have no potential beyond that. Their ability to comprehend things at a certain level is limited, whether it's genetic, whether it's upbringing. You can call it nature, nurture, whatever you want. So the idea of a midlife crisis, and because we are expanding on who we are, why is that a bad thing? Like, why does it have to have that negative connotation on it when it's, because that's the way it's thrown in your face. It's never, it's, no one ever walks up and goes, dude, I heard you're having a midlife crisis. That's so awesome. Like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to go out and do cool stuff now. Like, you're going to bust out of the bubble, and we're, we're so proud of you. Well, no one says that. That's Join in the club. Well, you know what? Right. No one says that. They're looking like, oh, having a midlife crisis. You getting a Corvette? I'm like, oh, I just had one. an interesting I'm thought. Not, in not a Corvette guy anymore. Listening to you speak, and we've had this conversation many times, but... And I, I kind of the way we're talking about it, it almost sounds like we feel guilty for having a midlife crisis or, or treating the midlife crisis not normally. And I'm not saying we are guilty, but I'm sitting there going or feel guilt. But in some ways, you're kind of like, wow, that's maybe why aren't we? Why aren't we? Just just as a disclaimer, I don't do guilt. That's just no, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at. Though. I'm sitting there going, should we feel guilty for not being? I think the people who should feel guilty, no matter what period of your life you're in, if you're in your teen years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, is anyone who says anything to you that is less than constructive and is restrictive. It's I use the theory of, and, and we all grew up in the South and we've all been to Panama City. I, de- I hate the place personally, but I, I learned a cool analogy from it years ago. And it's again, it's it's how we see the world. I see the world 
differently than you do, but you see it very similar to the way I do compared to how someone else sees it. Like our view is very twisted. Is is you walk into a store that sells knickknacks, um, Alvin's Island, Alvin's Island, perfect example. Is uh, yes. <laughs> Apparently, Corey's Tourette's <laughs> is evolving to verbal. So, uh, childhood can, rhymes. I can do poetry. <laughs> That's not poetry. <laughs> Hickory Dickory Dock is not poetry. I'm just saying. I love Dice Man, but that is not poetry in the classic sense. So, but anyway, you walk into like an Alvin's Island, not to plug Alvin's Island, but they're a perfect example. They sell a lot of knickknacks, but they always have this little hog wire display full of hermit crabs. There's no top on it. The, the hermit crab can crawl out. Why do they not? Because any time a hermit crab gets near the top, and I've watched this repeatedly, another one will reach up and pull it down. It happens. It is without fail. It will. Another one will reach up and pull it down. It's the same thing that that, and I'm doing air quotes, friends, because <laughs> I don't, I I don't easily buy into the concept of friends because I think that word is thrown around, thrown around yeah. way too easily. I, I tend to put people in the category of motherfuckers I know. That's kind of that's kind of what. Look, I, if I can't call you at five o'clock in the morning, drunk with a hooker in the back seat of the car, to help me dispose of the body, then you're not my friend. Okay, so in all reality, she's still going to be dead at nine. Just wait till nine and call me at nine. <laughs> let me let me come up. Let me come up with solutions well, when I'm well rested. I mean, honestly. Well, it's because you're family. You're not a friend, so yeah. you don't you don't really count. Right, but why would you call anybody at five in the morning if the hooker is dead? But anyway, they so like, wait, you know. right, like, well, like is she gonna just magically like? Okay, let's let's say you're gonna call me at five about a dead hooker, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? That's inconsiderate. I think I'll wait till nine. At eight twenty, she wakes up. Well, well, then the problem's solved. Not- you don't even have to get me involved. <laughs> I would still call you. I'd be concerned. Like, you would have to tell the story like, dude, yeah. we're not going to believe this. Believe she's going to call you at five because I was, I was 100% convinced she was dead. And and I thought, you know what? Nine's a good solid number to call then, at. And at 20, she was like, hey, I got to go. I got. No, I, I have a weird you a headache. Different problem because then you got to still dispose of the body even if she's alive. I don't think you understand. <laughs> <laughs> Your concept of dead body disposal is completely skewed. So, but anyway, so friends will do that. Like friends, and again, using the term loosely, friends do not want you to progress away from them because that no one wants to be left behind. And a, and a good example is today we went on a bike ride and we asked our friends, Jason and Brandy, to go. And they've only she's only had her new bicycle a very short period of time. We went on a 19-mile bike ride, and I knew what we were asking of her. And I would drop back and ride with her. Why? Because I wanted her to complete the ride. I wanted to see her succeed. Most people don't want that. Most people don't want to pull you along with them. They want to either leave you behind or not let you get away. Those are the two dynamics of friendship for the most part. It's very rare that you find a friend that truly wants you to progress. And then, and, and like like you and I talk about, doing stuff, one, that's fun and entertaining, but the other is is that progresses us as people, not just monetarily, but mentally. Can you pass um, a napkin? I'm getting a little teary-eyed over here. It's all sentimental and shit. He, he gets a little funny when he's PMSing. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he's he is pre-op, but the hormones really, really started to take a toll. But but that's the concept. We're gonna listen back and go, what the hell is going that's on? That's the that's the concept that I always find with friends. I mean, I've even explained that to Sydney when she was four years old. I was like, you don't need friends. Screw them. Is I that knew you she held her back. I knew. No, I was not. I was giving her. It's called a warning. A ladder comes with a warning. <laughs> But somebody else may Society, think you're so this is the funny part. You can buy a ladder, and a ladder will come with 15 warning labels. Society comes with none. And society is a horrible thing. It's, it is not designed for success. It's designed to encapsulate you and get you to produce a product. Money for yourself but actually taxes for the government. So that, I mean, again, that's a whole other conversation. Right, but that's, that's the American dream thing, but it, it goes back. Like I said, it's a midlife. The reason that midlife crisis, the term in my opinion exists is it's a deterrent. It is, it is a, it is to, to rein you in, to make you evaluate. Well, how important is this evolving of you as a person? I mean, your situation is different because You've made some wise choices and you're still single. Not to say that I've made bad choices because you hear I, that, ladies. Well, you've made you've made different choices, <laughs> uh, right? I I feel like my choices have been very good and it has worked out. And I I would not. My grandmother used to say before she passed away, she she was very disappointed about things that happened when I was a kid, and she would always say, "I wish I could go back and change it." And I was like, "No, no." And she's like, why? I said, because I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with where I am. If you went back and changed that one little thing, the butterfly effect, I'm a firm believer in that, it, it would upset who I am now. And all that stuff that was bad that I went through produced this, and for good or bad or whatever, I am, I love my life. Well, that's the core and, of everything. Right. And that's... That and I do. I mean, you don't I don't have a crisis if you don't. But I'm still. Don't love but see, and that's the funny part. I love my life. I love racing cars. I love hanging out with my friends. I love shooting guns. I thought oh. you didn't have friends. He warns you not to have friends. Oh, okay. Right. Well, the, if you go into anything with a warning, you're going to be a little bit yeah, cynical. <laughs> right. You're going to be a bit cynical. So you're going to be more cautious about who you let people. Like those people. But anyway, I'm very happy with who I am. I'm very happy. Nobody's life is perfect. That's not a thing. The more perfect the public perception is of a relationship, the worse it is at home. Like most people, literally Beth has had people come up to her and say, how have you been with him so long? And this is what I love. This is Drugs. exactly what she tells them. He, <laughs> she, no, she, this is exactly, and she came Alcohol. up with this. I didn't teach her to say this. She goes, he doesn't treat me the way he treats you. And it's, and it's true. We're a partnership. And we learned, and we didn't really learn until Sydney came along and had that stress on our relationship that we have to work together. And that's why I feel like it's unfair because I'm not doing the things at this point in my life because I'm, Yes, I don't want to do what I do for a living forever. I could. I'm not that unhappy about it. It's not fulfilling. That's the difference. I enjoy dealing with my clients for the most part. I love to see projects come together and see people enjoy their homes more. I I do get a lot of fulfillment from that. See, I don't get any fulfillment but it, from my... But, 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 it's not, job. but it's not challenging. No. It's coloring by number, and I'm built for more than that. 
And again, it's not about making a contribution. It's it's about having that experience. Should you make it to 90 or 100 years old that you can look back and go, dude, I did some crazy stuff. I mean, I remember when I was 25 and I worked in a motorcycle shop and I would tell stories about bars we'd get drunk at and get get in fights when I was in the Army, going to Iraq, skydiving, rappelling, all the stuff that I did. And I'm telling this to guys that grew up in the town that they worked in and had never left. And this is their their instant response was, you don't have to make up stuff. I'm like, this is. This is like, I'll bring you pictures and show you. Yeah. Well, we live in a world where we share a lot and circling back to you talking about some people's lives, chaotic stuff like that. And yet when people ask you guys, cause they assume that maybe your marriage is totally the most pristine, perfect thing. And they want to emulate you and they see on Facebook, you only see the good. You never see people's hardships. And so, well, some so, people love to share their hardships because they need... They need drama. They need drama. And they and need see, people to interact with them. And so, like, one of these topics that you you proposed earlier before we started was reality TV's organized train wreck. But how would that compare to the disorganized train wreck that people that aren't sharing? That's Facebook because Facebook is a train wreck. Well, Facebook is a, Facebook well, is we'll a personal... Well, to another... I was going to say, yeah. And, I mean, it's, I'm trying to you yeah, know, and I don't want to change the topic, but you're about to go. No, and, about and that's why a lot of these things, and, and it's funny how easily it, we could just bounce from one of these topics to another because they're all very, very easily segued. But, I mean, for all lack of better uh, description, Facebook is most people's re- personal reality show. Yeah. It really is. Like, Beth and I, we, I, I rarely, like, if I want to brag on something she did, I'll post it on Facebook. The first time she did the green belt, Beth has not been an athletic person in her life. It, and she's never had a lot of things that tested her mental as far as, like, fortitude for doing something physical. And, you know, you've been doing the hiking stuff. So, you know, pushing yourself and, and you have the willpower to do that. So, I'll brag on her online, but we never put anything about our relationship online. It's yeah. very rare. The ones who do, I always say you're, it's a cover story. Mm-hmm. It's it's smokescreen. It's the same thing. And you have that, put some nice kind of lovey-dovey stuff occasionally. Right. And it's I fun to so much share. I'm just going to go, oh, I want to say something retarded here. But uh, just to be clear, most things he says <laughs> is retarded. We just, <laughs> it's out of love that we that we try not to categorize it that way. And when I say retarded, I don't mean born with a defect. I mean a perfectly capable person that cannot function in life. And and it could be from the Play-Doh or crayon consumption at well, some point. Well, he crafted it. Right. You right. know, like, because there's a difference between that and then, you know, just wanting so bad well, to say, you know, to be oh, a great, smart ass. Both no, no, okay. So, so let's be clear. If I do put something that's a little bit... Oh, no. Like that, I completely expect someone to say something to derail it. And I'm fine with that. But I don't need to go on there and talk about how awesome Beth is or anything like that. It's, you know, yes, I'll put something on there every now and then for Mother's Day or something like that. But it's, I know, as strange it is, is it seems like it's some sort of, like, if you do that, it's kind of like a proclamation. You know what I mean? Like it's, it legitimizes your opinion. Like if I came down here and told her something that I was going to post on Facebook, well, it's just her. 
hearing it. And none of her friends hear it. If I put it on Facebook and then her friends hear it, she can be like, well, look, you know, my husband kind of bragged on me and did this thing, even though it's kind of high schoolish, middle schoolish kind of a mentality. It's very gossipy. Right, right. It's kind of like, well, look what he did for me. But it's, and again, it goes back to these preconceptions that we have of like midlife crisis and things like that. It's that whole bubble that's built in that is, it's not really set up to nurture. I mean, people people don't. Go ahead. No, I when you talk about midlife crisis, <laughs> and you're talking about sharing on Facebook. My perception of the midlife crisis has now become not where I watch you buy the Corvette, even though you're not a Corvette guy, but when I watch you have a complete breakdown on Facebook, and usually it starts with, I'm unfriending everybody, and I'm deleting my Facebook. Well, you don't have to do the first one. Just delete it. You know, but generally well, you those don't people have are, to do any of it. But you don't have to do any of that. You could just walk away from like something. Like Corey and I have talked about how we've evolved our usage of Facebook. Like well, I can mess with my friends and get to get laughs. My mind is there for trying to promote my stuff and get laughs. It's not and that's to, exactly like I. if you notice, I don't post anything about politics on mine anymore because I don't want to have those conversations. But it is. And, it, 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 and see, and that's a temper tantrum. That's not a oh, midlife yeah. crisis. That's, but which I feel is, like that's the start of it because yeah, you but, know, when they do delete it, it's like, man, I wish I could continue to see the train when, wreck yeah. unfold. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, like, dude, real you, housewives of Facebook. Look, just <laughs> right. You're not having a midlife crisis. You've just come you're to a realization like, that you're an idiot. You've yeah. surrounded yourself with idiots, and you, you think, can't take it anymore. You think by removing yourself from those idiots that you won't be an idiot anymore, and that's not the case. Because they view it as bettering their lives. Well, it's kind of like a girl that hooks up with dumb guys. You can break up that one relationship. She's attracted to dumbasses. It's a a mental programming thing. But we love those girls. But what's funny (laughs) is I love the the concept of unfriending. Because unfriending is the adult version now of I'm not going to sit with you at lunch because you're not funny. Or you're not cool. Or I'm mad at you. Right. It's, It's like you're someone that I know online. And I've made it. I'm, again, going to be 48 this year. I just got on Facebook a few years ago. So pretty much everybody I've met on Facebook, if I quit talking to them, I I had made it 45 years without them. I got a feeling I'll make it 45 years without without knowing them, you know, additionally. Hell, might be better for it. (laughs) You just, but that's what's funny is, in, in my, so what's funny is I got on Facebook to mainly shoot the shit with Corey. And I was going, you, you should have seen me when I saw my uh, coworker and I said, my cousin, the one that you just met, got on Facebook after all these years of saying, give me well, crap and, all my, and, and all, I just rolled my eyes and she laughed. Well, I, I just like, started, I had started, <laughs> so we had gotten the business to a point where I wasn't on a job site eight, 10 hours a day. And I thought, well, okay, Corey and I talk about doing a lot of stuff and collaborating. This would be a good way to kind of just shoot the bull and the only friend i had on facebook was Corey by design that was it and then my my business partner goes hey aren't you on facebook i was like yeah oh cool i'll find you and i'll i'll send your friend request well anybody that raced with us was friends with tim and then it just unfolded oh yeah to this but my so this is a contractual thing that i do I will not send a friend request. You have to send it to me because it's kind of like making a deal with the devil. 
you have to understand. Yeah, and I'm looking at Brian because I remember. I think I added you, and then you posted on my wall saying, "Are you sure you understand what you're getting yeah, involved?" There, there was with. like a terms and conditions <laughs> clause that I sent to Brian. When and Brian, fortunately, is twisted enough. He's like, "That's cool, man. It's fine." But there are people that hey, he's my friend. I mean, he puts all my shit. So. Yeah, but he's this again, like he was saying before, he's just waiting for the train wreck to unfold. He's like, I'm just going to invest a little time. I've got some camera equipment. It's going to be a good <laughs> documentary. Like, like, he's probably got cameras embedded in your car and you have no idea. I've got cameras embedded in my car. <laughs> right, but you know about those because you, well, I'm assuming those which, are for part, different which personality for put them in. There's a chance you don't, I don't have them in my know. house because, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, so, I mean, it's so. I feel like the whole, again, the idea of a midlife crisis is, it is to demonize it. Well, I, you know. I mean, and it's not, and it's not because, so you could say it's to demonize it because of, say, our predecessors or the concept that is commonly known as midlife crisis. That's why they demonize it. It's not, in my opinion. It is, it is used to demonize it to prevent you from growing as a person. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny talking about my journey this past year, trying all these new things. I started taking taiko drumming lessons, the Japanese drumming lessons. I started taking aikido, which he's got an Asian, he's got an Asian fetish. I've never dated, and I've never dated. An <laughs> to Asian be clear, girl. I have not seen this anime collection. <laughs> I, I've never dated. I assume it's painted. <laughs> I've never dated an Asian girl, so. Ladies, hit me up. You're missing. I've only dated Koreans. Well, the thing is, I, I took a, you know the improv club. I took it all these things. I was like, let me try something new. I think part of it was losing the weight and getting my confidence. And feeling was, comfortable out in public, doing different stuff with people that you don't know around you and not feeling judged for your appearance. Well, the weird thing is, is that by doing this, I feel comfortable trying things that I was too overweight to try and things I would never consider. Like I actually looked into... Like repelling, learning to do repelling, learning how to. Um, now that you made a weight class that a rope yeah. will hold up. Yeah, learn how to rock climb, even look at jumping out of a perfectly good Dude, airplane. Skydiving is. Everyone should be required to skydive. But I mean, it's like. At some point I would in their nev- life. I would never consider, and I think that's this midlife crisis. Somebody else would call us and Oh, you're going through a crisis. Like, no, just, Especially if you start try- listing off all that stuff, it sounds like you're having a panic attack. Oh, yeah. Well, when you say them all together like that in a yeah. list rather than <laughs> I've watched you do these things but spread out, there's a difference. Oh, right. Said- it's been an evolution. And I've it, I mean, a bunch of these things, too. See, good my YouTube channel. Right. Well, <laughs> but when you explained it, it, it sounded like a crazy weekend. Yeah, yeah, like when you just explain all the stuff, like man, so yeah, Friday like I was doing drumming. Like, yeah, I Friday just... I was drumming. Then I went to no. an aikido class on Saturday. Sunday I went skydiving. Actually, what's funny is that me and Brian took a trip to Memphis. I had a keto class on Thursday. We drove to Memphis on Friday. Saw some good metal bands from the Graceland on Saturday. Drove back. I was I waiting went, for it. I was to, like, <laughs> "Where's the Where's the Elvis you connection?" Have to, I didn't see Elvis. And then we went behind my taiko performance on that Sunday. It's like, what? I just all right, just but, real quick. I wish Elvis would have lived because I'm so tired <laughs> he of hearing is. him. He's working at Seven Eleven. Because if he'd have lived like five more years, he'd have been such a has been that nobody had ever given a oh, shit yeah. again. But he he didn't die in his peak. He, he was. He was just well, fat and that's useless. His midlife crisis. He turned to, you know. But Speaking of, he's a peanut butter fan. All right. <laughs> oh, I mean, you yeah. got to give him that. Well, I don't know that he did a syrup, but I know he loved a good peanut but, butter and banana sandwich. If I remember, yeah, right. they actually had recipes here. But what's interesting? 
Well, it's peanut butter and banana. I'm not sure. I mean, short of no, they bread. did the postcard. Oh, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I mean, I've seen. I guarantee you, you could get recipes for water if you want it. <laughs> we have a whole collection of uh, postcards. It's recipes for water. Like, okay, is one option from the hose, like when we did it when we were in the 70s, like a green, you can't drink the hose green it's got a yellow stripe <laughs> down it, and the end is cut off, and you drink from the hose. If that's not an option, I don't believe your bullshit. But uh, what's funny is I talking to one of my coworkers about me trying these things, and he's like, how, how are you trying these things? I'm like, I'm just doing them. And he's like, he said, I can't. He said he couldn't bring himself to go do these things. He says, dude, I also said, it was a confidence issue. It well, wasn't the fact that he only thought the internet was good for porn. Well, here's here's what's interesting is I told him, I said, dude, I have anxiety to try these things. Like improv, the first night of improv I, class, I sat in my car for like an hour before class, going, I could go home and just absorb the money right now, and I could do this. I, I mean, I said to talk myself into going in class. When I did it, greatest experience I ever had. And Comedy I class, same thing. But people are always come with anxiety and stuff. I was like, yeah. I get I get anxiety. I just don't, I don't, well, I don't put it on Facebook. And as, you just as much as I hate the concept of comfort zone, I I truly think that's where the 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 word com or term comfort zone came from. Because mm-hmm. right before you do, like you were saying, the improv class, uh, or I do stand up, or even my first aikido class, you're you're outside of that realm, and there's some anxiety to it. So you're you're. I think that's even, again, I don't like the concept of comfort zone and what that implies, but I feel like that's where it was derived from and it makes sense. But that, to me, that's a gauge. Right. If you have a marginal amount of anxiety about what you're about to do, you should do it. Because that's the, that's the edge of your comfort zone. Right, because that means you're, you're you know, you're doing as we were right. joking earlier, going to learn today. Well, it's, I mean, I hate that term too. But it's, it's, it is, it's, it means you're about to evolve as a person. Like your first day of college. How, how nervous were you your first day of college? Just nervous. Dude, I can tell you, when I got on the plane to fly to Fort Dix, New Jersey for basic training, even at 17 years old, I was a confident little prick. I was I was like, oh my God, I have so screwed up. I even <laughs> called my mom the next day because what happens, I got there uh Thanksgiving. And usually when you get to end processing, you're there for a half day. I was there for three days because it was Thanksgiving weekend. And I didn't take it, I was told, don't take a change of clothes. You don't need them. You're only gonna be there for a day. I was there for three days and I'd shower and put the same clothes back on, and it was horrible because I was a freaking clean freak. I'd take three showers a day before that. But I was freaking out. And I told mom, I was like, I may have made a horrible mistake. Of course, once I got into it, same thing. Once I got into the motion of it and things started happening around me, I was so consumed with what was happening around me and my curiosity took over that I was no longer fear and anxiety was washed away. Because once you experience something finally, like maybe for the first well, time, even not getting past that's, it. that's all you needed was that push. Because once you get past your anxiety, then Enjoy all that's the left experience. is to keep walking into the experience. Well, and even like a lot of times I think people feel like you can't get past the anxiety until after it's over. That's not true. No, no I still had anxiety. I mean, unless I get you in the week. passenger seat of a race car and we're driving around a track. There's a chance you're going to need to get out of the race car before your anxiety is over. But, but it's it maybe not. It may be not. Yeah. You may be like, dude, I never realized doing 140 miles an hour around a racetrack was this freaking cool. But it's, 
again, that's why it I depends feel like if you're in the car on the sled behind it. I'm driving. I don't care where you are. I'll, man, I got duct tape, wire ties, and ratchet straps. We will. I'll put you in the trunk, on the trunk, on the roof. But I feel like, again, the concept of midlife crisis, and that's why I wanted to talk about, and that's why I put it that way, it's, a, it's, it's leverage to prevent you from being who you should be. Not everyone, like we talked about before, not everyone's designed to go to college. That's not a thing. That's why we have a vacuum at the moment in the trade industries because we've we've got this carryover from the 80s um, about how many uh, how many people or how people should go to college. Like everybody's go to college. If you don't go to college, how are you going to be somebody? It's well, kinda- that's it. I work at a college and now everybody goes to college. And I was in a unique position videotaping a conversation between representatives of an industry, representatives in higher ed, usually presidents of universities, president or uh, principals of high schools, and then presidents of trade schools. The presidents of the trade schools are saying, where's all of our students? The industry people are saying, where are your students? We need your... Where's your where are our employees? We need our employees. And they're saying, well, all the employees are in college. And then these We're CEOs... Funneling- or saying, why are these colleges not training people to actually be effective workers? And not just to be worker bees, but to be able to be effective in an industry. Okay, and, and that's the that's the funny part. Like, a lot of blue-collar work is not worker bee work. It, no. it is conceptualized as worker bee work because – but you're not going to a cubicle – and no. day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day and out. I have a gun in my front. <laughs> well, luckily, it's got vodka in it, so it, it helps <laughs> you through the day. Gun. And if yeah. it doesn't, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> but, but society but, is pushing everybody right now in our it, unique position. It's pushing everybody towards traditional higher ed rather than well. But that what started in that literally schools. started in the '80s. I remember being so. I was the last generation or graduating group or no I'm sorry I was the first graduating group that had to have two years of a foreign language in high school to get into college that was a prerequisite Mm -hmm. that was in the 80s and that was the big push like well everybody's got to go to college and if you got to go to college well you need to know how to cuss people out in Spanish that's that should be a thing (laughs) and I'm like Makes sense. Okay, and even then, in, in looking in looking back, even then in the eighties, I know people who were like in the communication industry, and they and they ran data lines, phone lines, and did infrastructure work. They could not find help. I got a job out of high school at seventeen years old, and again, it's the world is all who you know, not what you know, and it doesn't matter if you got a PhD and whatever, unless it's marketable, you're useless. Um, I got a job working with my ex, my dad's ex-wife's new husband because he knew I was a hard worker. I'd been working since I was 13. And he said, hey, I'll give you a job for six weeks. You learn as much as you can. I'll pay you. And this was in the 80s. I got $17 an hour, which was a lot of money back then. He said, and after that, if you learn as much as you can, I'll put you on as contract labor. Well, he did. And I was making like $1,200 a week. At 17 years old, living at home with a $180 carpet. I thought I was rich. I mean, I kind of was. But 
But again, and the reason the reason the reason was is because they couldn't find help. Yeah, and this was this was literally thirty years ago. I mean, I'm talking like right this moment, July of 1988. I was doing that job. I'd signed up for the army, and then I got that job. And I told my recruiter about it. And he goes, "That's wild," because I was born just a few months before that happened to you. So, so, but but it's funny. But it's funny because once I told my recruiter, my recruiter talked to me. He's like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" I told him about my new job. He goes, "Well, you know, you don't have to go in the army, right?" He's like, "You're making more money than most people I know." He's like, "Are you still want to go in the army?" I was like, "Yes." Because I knew what it was going to do for me as a person. Like, it was going to challenge me. Again, it goes back to this mid, this concept of midlife crisis. I want to be challenged. I thrive in that environment. And and again, that's why I hate the fact that the concept of midlife crisis is, crisis is demonized because it it's to prevent you from challenging yourself and growing as a person. It's disappointing. But again, I think it's just the way our society is programmed. We we want everybody to we love to compartmentalize people, not just oh, stuff, yeah. but people. You know, our servers are over here. Well, they're below us because they serve us food at a restaurant. No, they're not. Everybody is supposed to have a certain place that they a packing that order. they're put, and yeah. then they're supposed to sit and stay there. Mm-hmm. And they don't like when you break through and yeah. go in a different direction. Yeah, and that's and it's. It's unfortunate. I, I I mean, I really, and that's what I've tried to impart on Sydney. As Corey said, is my kid. Um, but it's. I just want everybody to feel included. There we go again. <laughs> that's not a thing. Like everybody, somebody didn't get Every- picked for kickball and I'm assuming it was you. <laughs> Well, I played right field and I right that's why, field. That's why yeah, I, that's the that's where I, the ball never that's went. The, that's that's, that's why you're sports. you're like the Ricky from Better Off Dead. Like, look, we need a right fielder. He doesn't look like he moves fast, but nobody kicks it to right field. Just just put Corey. Hey, in right but they field. always said a good attitude. I love kickball. I did. I miss kickball. I mean, genuinely, like there are days I was like, and I know there's kickball leagues, but I don't miss it enough to hang out with people. <laughs> Okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we've beat this, this, <laughs> beat this uh, to a point where it's, uh, and then, I mean, we've touched on stuff that we're going to cover in other podcasts. So there's going to be some loop back to, you remember when we were talking about midlife crisis? It, it'll be some of that. But it's, I mean, in the end. Is there anything to take away from this? Yeah. Except for the fact the end, that me okay. and you are, uh, no, the, the, me and you are the, This is what I want. This is what I want people to take away from this. No matter how old you are, and especially if you're in your 40s or late 30s, if you are doing stuff to grow as a person and someone uses the term midlife crisis with you, if there's nobody looking, punch them in the face. (laughs) Um, But if there are people looking, just just know that is not your friend. That is someone that is looking to keep you from progressing as a person. If and, and again, that's that's all I want is are we a therapy podcast? Or no, no. I mean, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> well, not with Brian dropping GD. We're not therapy uh, or religious. Uh, so, um, flip the table over. <laughs> yes, exactly. I can't do emojis on a podcast. I'm lost. Um, so, ultimately, that's all I want. I mean, I'll, I mean, when we're doing this, we're explaining things, and it is from our point of view, but. 
there's there needs to be a takeaway. And if the takeaway is, is, hey, you know what? These are two guys experiencing these things. And you know what? I They're right. They're, I'm not wrong for wanting to be a better person just because I'm in my 40s and everybody wants to think I'm freaking out because I hate my life. It is so far from not true. You should truth. only freak out with bad LSD. So that's going to be a podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, uh, we'll bring in my buddy Kelly Davis, and he'll explain me sitting in a closet for four hours. All right. I guess we all should wrap that up. I don't want anything to add without being too sarcastic. But anyway, I... Uh, uh, did we... You know, we said we were going to do a sponsors list. Did we actually do no, a sponsors list? But um, if you guys want to check out some of uh, the paraphernalia that... The root has yes. is your uh, so we have shirts for assholes.com as one of our sponsors, uh, and that is as it sounds shirts for assholes.com. Not not just for your booty hole, but like so we are all right. So just we are expanding and they are ordered, uh, they are not in stock yet. We are doing air fresheners for assholes <laughs> just because I thought that was that was pretty funny. Um and it will just be the logo from Shirts for Assholes. You can also catch me at Laughing Skull. Uh, I don't think this show will air before my next one, and I don't have another date after that set yet. It'll probably be later this week before I have another uh, another one set. But we'll we'll keep that posted. You can follow me on Darut of Funny, and that's D A R U U T of Funny. Um, and then uh, I know Corey has. Yeah, we'll put he's, he's like a he's like a truck stop hooker. He's got a lot of shit going on. Oh <laughs> he's, got a lot, he's got a lot of ads. He provides pr- pr- lots of services. Lots oh and God. lots and lots between of services. Between my between my vlog and my music and uh, what else am I doing? Our movies. Me and Brian have our own movie production and. What else am I doing? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll put links in the description so you can check out more stuff. But anyway, uh, well, thank you guys. Oh, so for that's me. a thing? We can put links on the podcast page? Uh, oh, or descriptions or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Or at least the Facebook I page. I don't know. Actually, that's not my, that's not my area. I'm that's, not making any promises. I'm that, just pretending like I know what oh, I'm okay. talking about. Or, or go check out the Facebook page. and. Um, oh, that's true. I wouldn't think yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have all that information on there. That's right. We did a Facebook page. <laughs> Oh, we're so we we would even, we're just like our first show. We're already sold out. Some people are still very new to Facebook. Some yeah. of us have been on Facebook since. Oh, I've been monitoring it since it hit. And I was because I was like, okay, I'm watching from the outside. Maybe I should participate. Um, All right, guys. We want to thank you guys for listening, and um, we will see you guys another time. How many times can I say guys in one sentence? Hey, you, there's some girls okay, out there too. Okay, yeah. and, and we're not going to see them, but we'll hear you guys. We'll hear y'all in <laughs> another time. And feel free to jump on the Facebook page and bash on Brian. I would if I were you. I mean, I just that'd be my thing. Don't bash on me because I'm I'm mean. But <laughs> you, you don't right. want to get it back anyway. All right, guys, lick the spoon. We'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>